Before the crowds, all the attention and fame, they were just kids. It's the local play-by-play broadcasters that recognize their talents and their flaws. This is a look behind the curtain of the athletes that made it out and the local guys with ringside seats. You get an insider's view into what goes on behind the sports from local play-by-play broadcasters around the country. This is the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast with Ken Keller. Hello and welcome to the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast. I'm your host, Ken Keller. Thank you for listening. And if you're listening to this, then hopefully you've listened to the other uh, the other episodes that I've had. And I ask that you tell your friends and share it and download and and uh, do everything that you can to, to help grow this podcast. We'd love to uh, keep it going. I think there's a lot of interesting stories, and I do enjoy doing the podcast. Uh, we are on the Hefe Pods Network, which is a division of Glades Media. And this podcast is about talking to local and regional play-by-play broadcasters, telling, uh, talking to them about their careers, stories that they've had in the booth, what they've seen that's funny and crazy, and, and also talking about athletes that they've covered. And a lot of times, they've covered these athlete, these athletes before they became famous. Now, and, and that's where we go with this episode. If you've listened to the last two episodes that we've had, they've been with Tim Alcorn, who's a play-by-play broadcaster for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, those guys are already famous. They're in the NBA. I have done several interviews with minor league baseball broadcasters because they do what this podcast is all about and see baseball players before they become famous. Well, there is a minor league system in basketball as well called the G League, and I have been wanting to get a G League broadcaster uh, on the podcast. And luckily, Tim was able to connect me with Scott Zarella, who's the uh, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Cleveland Charge. They're the G League affiliate of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we talked to him about a lot of great, interesting stories. Most of all, this part, this half of the, uh, or this episode, we're going to talk about mainly what the G League is. A lot of people aren't familiar with it. It's been around for a while, over 10 years, closing on 15 years. And a lot of really famous players have come out of it. Uh, probably the most uh, the most famous ones, Chris Middleton of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. He's a, a, an all-star level type player that's won a, a championship ring. And he's a guy that's one of the best players on a really good contending team. Uh, another one is... Uh, Pascal Siakam, who is with the Toronto Raptors, he won a championship, I believe in 2019 is when they won theirs. And uh, he is, you know, an elite level NBA player now. They came from the G League. And you're starting to see more and more superstars, more and more really good players, all-star level talents. Spend a few years in the G League. And then after they get seasoned, they come up and are able to contribute right away at the NBA level. And not only that, you're starting to see high school athletes bypassing college, spending a year in the G League, notably the G League Ignite, and then going into the NBA draft. So they can bypass the, you know, they can still do the, you know, one year out of high school rule that the NBA has and, uh, you know, still make a little bit of money and get some exposure because the G League is starting to become more and more well known. It's getting television time. You're seeing games on ESPN, ESPN2, all of those uh, networks, NBA, uh, the NBA channel. So, 
I am really thankful that I, that Scott Zarilla gave me some of his time. We had a really interesting talk, and you're going to hear some of it right now. So, without further ado, let me introduce my guest for today. He is the play-by-play announcer for the Cleveland Charge, the G League affiliate of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Mr. Scott Zarilla. Shot clock just moved down to 14. Now it's to 10. Merrill for the win. He got it. There it is. That's how you do it. On the weave. I love it. I love it. That is the voice of the Cleveland Charge, the G League affiliate of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Scott Zarilla, who joins me now on the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast. And Scott, I appreciate your time. Thank you much, so much for doing this. Ken, it's a pleasure to be here. I just have to say, after following up Tim Alcorn from a week ago, you should be more you should be getting more listeners with me than you did with Tim last week. So ho- hopefully that'll be the case. Gauntlet is thrown. We'll uh, we'll we'll do the uh, we'll do the math later. But uh, uh, Scott, I, I appreciate this so much. As we talked about off the air, I'm a I'm a Northeast Ohio native and a diehard Cleveland sports fan. So, and I know you you said you grew up in Euclid. Is that right yes sir yeah so you are the yeah you are the same um so it's really good to talk to you and um i've been wanting to do a g league interview for for quite a a long time but before we get into that how long have you been involved with the charge Uh, if my math is correct you're going into your 12th year as the voice of the charge I can't do math, but the first season was the 2011-2012 season. So, again, this 12th season, 13th season, whatever it is. Again, I'm not being funny. I Whatever it is. But I, yeah. I've been there since the start. So what can you tell us about the G League? Maybe some of our listeners don't understand what that is because it's still a fairly new concept. What I kind of go for is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, a minor league system for basketball, much like what the minor league system for baseball is. Super familiar system of the NBA. And while the G League has been its name for, geez, I've even lost track of that. It was the NBA D-League before mm-hmm. that, the Development League. Um, that's been around for at least, boy, I think since around the year 2000. So the league itself has been around in, in different iterations over the last 23 years or so. But, you know, it's it's an opportunity for guys to stay close to home here in the United States and have more eyeballs on them to give them the opportunity to make it to the NBA. Whereas before, when a guy would graduate from college, wasn't good enough for the NBA, but was good enough to still play, many times they would go to Europe and have lucrative careers, and there's no shame in that by any stretch. Today, though, however, with the G League and the way that basketball has expanded in such a global fashion – Keeping guys close to home, though, you know, you, you can find guys anywhere around the world to play, but having the G League, having them being the affiliate of an NBA team gives them more opportunity to stay home and also to have that relationship with the parent club to develop and give them a better opportunity to either make it to the NBA, either with the parent club, or get picked up by a different NBA team. And even if you're not good enough to make it in the NBA in the long run, it still makes you a better player in China, your, your, your basketball career that way. So the G League really is kind of a, a stepping stone, hopefully, 
to a career in the NBA, if not the NBA, to a career someplace else around the world. Overall, are players in the G League are they afforded the opportunity to like you if you like you said if if they're not good enough to to play in the NBA long term, could they make a living? Uh, theoretically, you know, in the G League, just play five, six, seven years there, or do they tend not to get that much time, and uh, they have to move on? And and the salaries Most, too, like salaries, is it does it is it um, is it affordable? I mean, are they able to do it? Well, the the thing with basketball is much like the WNBA as well. If you if you're familiar with the WNBA, they play the women play throughout the summer, but through the winter months they play internationally the g uh the g league is pretty much the same way uh the the wnba actually gets more salary than the g league does so monetarily i wouldn't say the g league is something i mean you you could and there are different tiers of salary and they've changed so much over the years exhibit tens affiliates two ways a standard g league contract you conceivably could make a living off of it, but that's only five months out of the year. Players play the five months in the G League, and then they go and play Europe, in Europe or you know internationally, and they make another $100,000, $50,000, dollars in China or something, Russia. And that's how they make their careers. And then they just play until they can't play anymore. So for the G League, not only monetarily speaking, but the league itself – most guys have, I wouldn't say most, but many guys, they will, the shelf life is maybe three to five years max. There are some guys that have been around a while, and they're willing to stay in the G League to play a couple of years, either because it's guaranteed money for five months, or they still have the belief that they're close to the NBA. Other players they feel after, say, three years that it isn't worth their time, so to speak. They can play internationally 12 months out of the year and make five times the money. You see what I'm saying? So it really, it's each individual situation. But, and I'm trying, as I've been saying this, I've been trying to think of an example. Like I saw a guy who I'm not even sure who he plays for now, Daniel Oturu last played for the Windy City Bulls. He's been in the league, prob- the G League, probably three, four years. And I was somewhat surprised to see him play in Summer League. Whether he'll be in the G League this year, I don't know. But And he's a good player. I don't think he's an NBA player, so I don't know how much time he has left so much in the G League, if that makes sense. It, it does. It does. And I think what, you know, bottom line, what you're saying is players in the G League, their main focus is to, to get better, to get to the NBA, and if not, move on to, uh, to you know, cross seas and, and play for more money. But they're not, yeah, they're, sure. they're not, their goal is not to stay in the G League and just be happy with that. No, no. Again, most guys. Th- I think most players can know how good they are. Rarely do they handful of guys of your show with NBA, but they've they've been able to. They were on the cusp NBA players, and they just needed the seasoning of the G League. Now, some guys they 
are hoping, like I said, not only to supplement their income, but they, the guys that know that they've got a chance at the NBA, they'll hang around as long as they can until they, they've run out of options in the G League. Guys that realize that the G League is a short term for them, they'll do a year or two, make that money, and then just go and sign internationally and pretty much play year-round. The league... The, the the coming and going of players is it's amazing. I have trouble. I mean, the players move from team to team so much. I recognize many of the players, but like said, Daniel Oturu, he may have been with Windy City last season. He might be with Stockton this year. I mean, guys just come and go because the Chicago Bulls, they don't want to keep Daniel Oturu around anymore because they know that he's really not going to make the Chicago team. So he becomes a free agent. Well, Stockton thinks, well, you know what? We might be able to do something with this guy. Not only could we use him on the Stockton Kings, but maybe we can work him in to play for Sacramento. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's very fluid. It's very personal. Um, There's a lot of avenues and directions that guys can go. And sometimes it's really hard to to just kind of try to keep up with everybody to see where they're at and what they're doing. Which segues segues to my next question there. Talk a little bit about the setup of the G League. How many teams are there? Is there um, a, a playoff, a championship? How does the season line up as compared or in relation to the NBA season? Oh, the teams, let me think. Everyone pretty much has a G League affiliate with the exception right now of Phoenix. They had a team when they made um, their prior owner, they didn't feel it was financially viable, so they got rid of the team, but they may come back with new ownership. Uh, Portland just got their first team, and I'm just really quickly trying to go off the top of my head. I think right now Phoenix might be the only team without a G League team, but there also is a team in Mexico City, mm-hmm. which is not a direct affiliate with any NBA team. And also G League Ignite is its own team without an affiliate of the NBA. That said, I lost your second part of your question. Oh, how is the structure of it? Is f- yeah, yeah two, uh, two conferences, East and West and pretty much the top six teams make it, and then you have single elimination playoffs until you get to the finals, which is a best of three. The reason that is, is the NBA and the G League, they've got obviously their partnership. They want to have the G League season completely over and done with by the time that the NBA play-in tournament begins. They don't want there to be any kind of a conflict because – if um, a G, uh, an NBA team wants a player or two off the G League team, they need them to be available. Mm-hmm. So that's in regards to roster makeup and potential playoffs. Now, I know that you and your listeners also realize the NBA is starting the new play-in tournament, in-season tournament, I should say, this season. Well, the G League has had this for a couple of years, and part of it has been the um format used now by the nba there is a um it's called the uh, winter showcase for the nba g league they play the games out in las vegas the week after uh, the week leading up to christmas and everyone is have a quick four round a uh, couple round playoffs and then there's a championship there as well so 
there's a couple little tournaments. It's similar to the NBA, despite the fact that the G League had it in place first. Because the G League, real quick, Ken, mm-hmm. the, the NBA uses it as a training ground for ideas. The target score ending that you might be familiar with, it's more popular known as the Elam ending. The G League uses that. Three free throws, coaches' challenges, things of that nature. Those all start in the G League. Those are all utilized in the G League. Let's see how they work. And if they like it, then the NBA will implement them uh, in the in the upcoming seasons. You referenced G League Unite, <laughs> and listeners might be uh, aware of that one because that seems to be the, the team that takes on a lot of the high school stars that don't want to play a year in college. Instead, they take a year in the G League, get some money, and then they're draft eligible. Do I have that right? Is that what that team is is made for? Pretty much. It is also um, guys can you actually be on that team for two years. There have been a couple of guys that have been on like, like Scoot Henders two seasons. But it's funny because you didn't hear much about him his first year because Jalen Green mm-hmm. and Jonathan Kaminga were the big names on G League Ignite two years ago. And as good as Scoot Henderson was, he was kind of a third, fourth guy on that team. Those guys went to the NBA this past year. Scoot Henderson was the number one guy on G League Ignite, and, of course, he was drafted this year. So you can pretty much play two years with Ignite. But, yeah, they're pretty much guys who specifically want to just get seasoning and improvements and learn the NBA way without going the G League route. They play for G League Ignite. They become eligible for the NBA draft. And, again, we've seen them with Jalen Green, Scoot Henderson, Jonathan Kaminga, guys like that the last couple of seasons. Yeah, G League Ignite, by the way. I think I, think I said Unite yeah. before, and it's Ignite. Um, where are they based out of, by the way? Like, where, where's their city? Las- finished their California. I'm drawing a blank on the city they were in. And then they moved to Las Vegas. So they've been in Las Vegas for the last two years. They play in uh, Henderson. Are there, Las Vegas. are there any other G League teams like that that aren't affiliated with the team? You mentioned the Mexico City one, but are there any other teams that where, where these high school kids come out and and uh, and play a year or two there before they become drafted? No, no, okay. that's that's pretty much just uh, just ignite. And Mexico City is treated basically like the other G League teams. Again, they just don't have a direct affiliate. So you can't, you know, NBA teams can, I'll use the word poach a player off the roster of um, Mexico City. How are the crowds at G League games? I, believe, I, I get the feeling it's a growing league. I mean, it's starting to get games that are televised. You real NBA yep. fans are starting to learn floor, you know, so then Cleveland. What are the crowds like? Well, it's like all other minor leagues, Ken. And again, you I know you have a lot of experience in minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is depending upon what city you're in. Now, for the charge, for our first nine, ten years, we were in Canton, which, for those that don't know, is about an hour south of Cleveland. And they had their core group of fans, again, like most minor league teams do. We, it's been a little bit different in Cleveland because we've got the Cavaliers, of course, five minutes away. We've got the um, Cleveland Monsters, our AHL hockey team. You've got Cleveland State. You've got Ohio State not too far away, et cetera. So we're still building much of our fan base here with Cleveland. When you go around the league, depends on the night of the week. Weeknights usually aren't as strong 
as weeknights. It's a school night, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of kids have school the next day. Parents have work the next day. Weekends tend to be better. But um, I'm trying to think a couple off the top. Santa Cruz, we were there last year. They had great crowds. Um, Our crowds, like I said, our crowds aren't bad. I've never been good at guesstimating numbers, looking in a crowd and saying how many people are there. Um, It really depends. But I'll tell you, going back to G League Ignite and some of those players that you had kind of referenced as well, that has really done so much for the league overall because, as you said, fans – now know who Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga and Scoot Henderson are. So it kind of draws them to kind of keep an eye on the G League. And, hey, we've got a G League team. Let's go check it out. And, you know, you and I had spoke briefly prior to, to the interview here. Emmy Heat, Gabe Vincent, a lot of experience in the G League. Max Truce, now with the Cavaliers. These guys all played significantly in the G League. And when people start to, again, see that, oh, I know that guy. Where did he used to play? He played in the G League. It has opened the door for more fans to be able to give the G League a chance, get introduced to the league, and introduced to players a little sooner than maybe they would have without the G League. Guys come and go um, before, not so much anymore. Guys that play, they'll find you. And many of them, like I said, you will see in the G League before the NBA. More after this on Before the Crowd's Play-by-Play podcast. Be sure to check out our great podcast on hefepods.com. That's spelled J-E-F-E pods.com. You'll find an ever-growing selection of shows, some of which are hosted by your favorite radio personalities. From popular English language shows to the hard-to-find Spanish language shows. Check out the newest episodes of Taylor's Table, the Haunting or Not podcast, and more. They can all be found at hefepods.com. That's J-E-F-E pods.com. And be sure to tell a friend or two or three i think you're also starting to see interest in the g league because teams are now starting to send their draft picks directly to the g league where in the past their only option was to put them on the roster and have them sit the bench and you know picks certainly uh, are you know there's a very good chance they're going to start out in the g league and and for the yeah for the diehard fan like you know i am with the cleveland cavaliers i'm excited to see what imani bates will do in the g league because at some point you hope he can develop into a player that the Cavaliers can use. You know, Ken, he's one of the three two-way players for the Cavaliers and for the listeners that maybe aren't sure what a three uh, a two-way is. Two-way player is someone who signs a contract with the parent club, in this case the Cavaliers. He can play as many as 50 games for the parent club and then the rest of the time he'll spend with the G League team, which, of course, is us the charge. So Imani Bates, I expect to see him quite a bit with the charge because he definitely, and I think he would tell you the same thing, he definitely is a little bit raw. He definitely needs some work on his game. But again, that's what the G League is about, the place to go and play, work on your game. And as much as you want to win, and you do, players, coaches, (laughs) broadcasters, front office, um, it's still the bottom line is developing players to get to the next level. So Imani Bates, I'm not sure how many people uh, that are listening to this right now watched Summer League or watched the Cavaliers team who did win some, the Summer League championship. Imani Bates in that first game, he looked like he hadn't played in a while. He was 
very much on his own. Let's put it that way. But by game five and six, he looked terrific. He had made such strides. And a lot of that obviously is coaching and being in a situation where, okay, now I've got to fine tune and work on my game. And that's what the G league season is going to be about. He's got to knock off the this. He's got to fine tune that. And this is basically throughout the G league. Our other two, um, two way players are Isaiah Mobley, Evan's older brother who played for the charge in Cavs last year and an undrafted guard by the name of Craig Porter Jr. He'll spend a lot of time with the charge as well. So, Back to Imani Bates, though, this is a perfect situation for him, the 49th overall pick. When you pick at 49, unless you're getting Nikola Jokic at 41, <laughs> right. you're not expecting a lot out of the 49th pick. So it's worth taking a swing at him there because that's what the G League is for. You bring him to the Cavaliers without the G League, and he sits at the end of the bench and he gets as many minutes as I do. You put him in the G League, you're going to start him. He's going to play 30, 35 minutes a night, whatever it may be. And with day-to-day coaching, which is the coaching is tied directly to the Cavaliers, you know, you're going to make him a better player. And that ultimately is what the goal is. And so the G League, again, is going to be uh, – It's it's been invaluable for so many players, and I think it's going to play a huge role in making Imani Bates a much better player. You mentioned Nikola Jokic. I, he, he's become the new Tom Brady, right? You know, because like everybody says, it would say, oh, Tom Brady was picked in the sixth round, so you can pick a Hall of Fame quarterback in the sixth round. And now Jokic is like, oh, they drafted right. Jokic uh, late in the second round during a Taco Bell commercial, and now he's a two-time MVP. <laughs> and and now everybody, every fan wants their 49th pick overall to become right. a Hall of Famer. And I, I, I think the comparison's pretty funny. I agree, and I, I think I don't believe I don't believe Nicola ever played in the G League. I think he was tra- um, around there, yeah. but he what's that? I just said around there. I, I don't know either, but yeah, yeah right yeah. around there. But I, I don't know that he did. But um, no, again, it's the you know I've mentioned Jonathan Kaminga's name a couple of times, and you know Moses Moody. He's another one in the in the Golden State Warriors. Um, uh, uh, roster of players and both of them have played in the G League and they were you know I know Kaminga was the seventh pick and Moses Moody I think was nine or ten yeah so just because you're a high pick doesn't mean you won't go it isn't as likely but you know I'll tell you another one same same organization Jonathan Why um uh, Wiseman mm-hmm. James Wiseman Spencer, right. James thank you James Wiseman um he's another one that has needed time in the G League. And the more receptive you are to it, because now Wiseman was traded to Detroit, they're looking to utilize him. And he still has a future. It may not have worked with Golden State. Kuminga and Moses Moody, they may or may not still work out for that organization. But you can either sit at the NBA level and not improve, embrace the move to the G League, work on your game, Get the minutes because, you know, the NBA teams aren't drafting you at number seven, number 10, number 12. if They don't think that you can play in the NBA. You just might need to get your game tweaked a little bit. And if players are open to that, it happens. I'll give you a great example with with the charge back when it was still uh, we were still playing in Canton. Joe Harris. Now, Joe Harris was drafted. Cavaliers still had LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, 
Kevin Love, not a lot of room for Joe Harris. He went back and forth between the Cavs and the Charge. And imagine how difficult that would be. When you play for the Charge in the G League, we want you to be the guy. Okay, so he plays one style with the Charge. Then he gets recalled to the Cavaliers, and he sits on the bench. And the few minutes he plays, he's playing alongside LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. So it's got to be difficult. So what happened was he was, and I'm trying to remember if he was traded, I think it was part of a trade, to Brooklyn. And look what, he, look what he's done with the Nets. He's shooting 40, you know, he's shooting 42, 44% from the three-point line. The kid can shoot the basketball. Sometimes it just needs to be the right situation, be just right for these guys to succeed. And I say I always reference Joe Harris because once he went to the Brooklyn Nets, everything fell into place, and he's become one of the best shooters in the league. So it's you as a player, you have to be open and receptive to the G League is not a demotion. It's actually a promotion to a place where we're trying to make you better because we believe in you and we want you to be a part of the parent club. We just need you to put in some extra work here because you're not quite ready for the NBA level. Most guys do that. And what happens is it all comes out in the wash. If you're good enough, Joe Harris, you're going to be a terrific NBA player. I could give you a laundry list of players that never make it. And it's just it's just what it is. And that's every sport. Can you know that? If you're good enough, you'll make it. Teams will not let you go if you're if if you're good enough. So that's really the the, the what the G League is all about. It really is. As a Cavs fan, I'd love to have Joe Harris back. Um, oh my gosh, yeah, you shooting. tell me that would be what we're looking. Well, again, with Struess and, and uh, George Niang, hopefully those two guys will fill that role. But I've said that about Joe Harris forever. Forever. And again, you can't keep him forever, but he just he needed the right system. And I'm not saying our system was wrong, but for him at that time, he was never going to get the fair shake mm-hmm. when we were when the Cavaliers were in a win now mode. And I've said their names three times already. LeBron, Kevin and Kyrie and a young kid who's still learning his way. You, you you're not going to play Joe Harris Right. With those guys very much. Not when a championship was right at the table in front of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's all about the opportunity. And, yeah, and yeah. you just got to take advantage Nets, when it comes the Nets, to you. Yeah, the Nets were not really a team contending. And he, he was afforded the opportunity for a lot of minutes to just play his game and wins and losses be damned. Not to develop their players. Living here in South Florida, I've been to one Miami Hurricane basketball game, and uh, that was against the University of Virginia. And I saw Joe Harris play there as a senior, and sure. and uh, you know saw him play at a good game. And when the Cavs drafted him in the second round, I thought that was pretty cool. And I've been following his career. Uh, this is my favorite team. When you're so you you've been calling G League games for a long time. In general, can you tell us a little bit about the work ethic? And I'm going to use the word desperation because of these players that are playing at that level because of how badly they want to get to the NBA and kind of what you see from their effort in the G League. Well, desperation, Ken, is not a bad word. There are guys, and I won't name names. I think Mm -hmm. I kind of referenced this a little bit a few minutes ago. There are guys that know that the G League is about as good as it's going to get. 
some of those guys even know that they're not really probably going to have a career internationally. Now, the guys, as I also mentioned earlier, like Gabe Vincent, you know, Max Struess, they know they're good enough to play in the NBA. And that's where the, as you call it, the desperation, that's where, as, I, as I've said, if they embrace the situation, everything is right at their fingertips. They've just got to put in the work, hope for the best opportunity, and let the chips fall where they may. Um, the one thing about the G League is that for fans that are listening and have never been to a game or have never watched a game, the one thing you'll get out of a G League game is you're going to get guys playing their cans off because they know that they're being watched every day and they know that if they want to get to the next level, they've got to put in the work. If you're going to GM staff and the charge staff, all intertwined, we all talk. Everybody knows what everybody does. And if you're not putting in the work, if you've got a bad attitude, if you're not pulling your weight, et cetera, It'll get back to the parent club, and you won't get an opportunity. So to your point, the guys that know they've got a shot at the NBA, or even to a lesser degree, a extended European career, they're going to work hard. They play hard in the G League. They play 50 games as opposed to the 82 in the NBA. You know, you hear so much about um, load management in the NBA. You don't get a load management in the G League. No. <laughs> if a guy's hurt, he doesn't play. But you don't rest your guy. I take that back. In, in, in the rare occurrence that you're a two-way player and you've bounced back and forth between the G League and the, and the NBA, you may have some minutes cut back if you've had a busy week going between the two teams, but you're still going to play. But to pull the and I'm gonna I'm gonna break out a name. I maybe shouldn't, but I'm gonna break out a name. If you're gonna pull a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard and you're gonna sit just because you're gonna sit, not in the G League. No, the guys play. They play every night, they play hard, there's no going through the motions because they know that production, dedication, hard work, as I mentioned a moment ago, knowing that not just the, the, the Cavaliers are watching. But you know the Austin Spurs, uh, the uh, the the Austin Spurs are watching, right? Mm-hmm. All the teams, Greensboro Swarm, they're watching. They're watching charge games because they might want somebody, and they see what goes on. And if you're not giving what they deem necessary, you're you're letting your opportunity slip past, and. Like I said, most guys they they're not um, they're not going to let those opportunities slip away. Do you travel with the team? I do. Hmm. I am pretty much the only announcer in the G League that travels for every game. I call all fifty games. Hmm. Most just do the home games. Yeah, I'm very lucky, very fortunate, and uh, so many of the announcers I see around the league. One of the first things they say to me is, "Man, you're so lucky." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, you've 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 called games, Ken. Is there a better job in the world? No, not I don't at know all. that there is. There isn't for me. Nope, allows us to uh, to call games, yes. and I think that's one common trait with everybody. Um, 
And I just lost track of the question I was going to. Oh, now I remember. Well, you asked me if I travel to all, if I call all the games and I travel, mm-hmm. and I do. And I've got travel stories if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in just a bit because I do want to hear sure. these. Um, sure. How are your games carried? Are they on radio? Are they online? How, how are they heard? Well, because I travel and do road games, what we do is for those in the business, or you, you certainly know what a Comrex yes. unit is. Um, it's just connected to, via the internet to our, uh, I don't know all the technical aspects of it, but it's connected here to Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. And then it is just dispersed out on our um, streaming service uh, through iHeartRadio. Uh, their streaming service, and also the uh, Cleveland Charge mobile app. You can hear the games on there as well. Um, Now, home games, those are actually streamed via NBAGLeague.com. So you can only uh, not only hear them, but obviously you can watch them. So when when the games are at home, you can watch the Charge play, and you'll get my audio. When you go to a Charge game on the road – if you log on, you will see the charge play at Fort Wayne, but you'll get the Fort Wayne announcer. Mm, okay. So it's always the home announcer for the home game that you're watching. If it's just audio for me, then you can do it uh, via the phone or, or via the stream. Gotcha. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that here this upcoming year. I'm excited to, to hear you at work there. Let's stop it right there. Great stuff from Scott, and there's more great stuff coming up in a few weeks when we have part two of this discussion. We'll talk about some of the long bus rides that Scott has taken. He's one of the few that does home and away games for the Cleveland Charge, uh, which is a real luxury for both the Cleveland Charge and Scott. I'm sure he you know, he appreciates that as well. And he travels with the team, and he's gotten to know the players you know the the best way to get to know a person is to be on the bus with him for four or five six hours at a time and he's done that so some stories coming up on our next episode um until then go back listen to other episodes you might have missed the tim alcorn uh the cleveland cavaliers uh ken levicka from florida atlantic university there's some really good ones on hefepods.com until then i'm ken keller thank you for listening This has been Before the Crowds Play-By-Play Podcast, a proud member of the Boss Pods Podcast Network, a division of Glades Media. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and follow Before the Crowds on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Before the Crowds. There you'll get extra clips not included in this episode, as well as updates on when new episodes are posted. If you have any questions or comments, message those accounts, and I will either message back directly or answer your questions on a future podcast. The Before the Crowds theme music is written and performed by Lucas Braun of L-Dub Music. More episodes to come over the next few weeks. Until then, thank you for listening.